Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. I want to begin by telling you something about uh, David Blair. On April the 9th, 1912, David Blair, who was a British sailor, was relieved of his responsibilities as the second officer on board the Titanic, and he was assigned to other work on April the 9th. That was one day before the Titanic departed for its initial tragic um, maiden voyage. Now, in his hastiness in departing, being reassigned to different work, he mistakenly kept a key to a storage locker that was believed to have kept binoculars. And it was the lack of binoculars that was available to the lookout crew on the Titanic. That's one reason people believe the Titanic eventually struck an iceberg and sank that led to the loss of over 1,500 lives. A guy by the name of Fred Fleet later testified that if they'd had binoculars, uh, he was one of the lookout people who survived, if they'd had binoculars, he says they would have been able to see the iceberg earlier. And when he was asked how much earlier, he said, well, early enough to get out of the way the Titanic sinking because of a small key. Seemingly small things can bring about great catastrophes and can lead to extensive loss and damage and devastation. And that is true about seemingly small sins as well, including the sin of gossip. Now, if we're honest, we hear a lot of gossip. And if we're honest, we hear it at church as well. But we really don't hear much teaching about the sin of gossip or about how serious it is. But the Bible is very clear about how serious and dangerous gossip can be. In describing people who have a depraved or debased mind in Romans chapter 1 verses 29 through 31, this is what the Apostle Paul says about them. He says, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Now I'm guessing you notice in the midst of all of that filth and violence and immorality, Paul mentions the sin of gossip. Now, a small key may have doomed the Titanic, but some of you are familiar with the saying, loose lips sink ships. And that's true, but more accurately, according to the Bible, loose lips and gossips sink relationships and they sink friendships. Consider the words of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28, that says, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Now that word whisperer is often rendered gossip in other translations. For example, in the NIV we read, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. This is based on a Hebrew word that could also be translated to murmur, to engage in critical and secretive communication with lowered voices and hushed tones. And so this morning, I just want to simply consider broadly the Bible's teaching about the sin of gossip. But instead of looking at Proverbs chapter 16, we're going to look at a different proverb. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8, as our text this morning. We're just going to look at that one verse, but it's a verse that's important enough that it is repeated verbatim later in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 26, 
verse 22. So we find this twice in the book of Proverbs. We're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8, for just that one verse this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible with you, you should be able to find a paperback Bible underneath one of the seats in front of you. And Proverbs 18, 8 is on page 312 on those paperback Bibles. But I'm also going to have the verse on the screen um, here in front of you as well. And I actually have both the ESV and the NIV verses on the screen. But if you're able, let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning, just from this one verse, Proverbs chapter 18, verse eight. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. The NIV reads this way. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost Hearts. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord abides forever. You can be seated. Well, let's begin exploring this topic by thinking about the recognition of gossip. How do we identify it? And this may not be as easy as we think. Now, while we understand that the sin of gossip occupies the realm of our speech, of our words, of our talk, we also recognize that not all talk is gossip. So how do we identify it as gossip. Well, perhaps we could begin by saying this. Gossip is the sinful sharing of information about others. But what makes it sinful sharing about others? Well, a number of factors could be involved in that. One thing that could make it sinful is sharing something about someone else that is false or unconfirmed. Sharing something about someone else that is false or unconfirmed. For example, hey, did you hear that so-and-so might be getting kicked out of school? Or I don't know if you heard this, but so-and-so is breaking up with so-and-so. No, I heard that so-and-so's parents are making her break up with so-and-so. Really? I didn't hear that. You gotta be kidding me. Or it could be something along the lines of this. I heard that so-and-so is getting investigated by the FBI for tax fraud. No, it's not tax fraud. I heard that so-and-so is getting investigated for laundering money to terrorist organizations. Now, the more outlandish these things become, you begin to suspect that maybe none of these are confirmed, actually, and might even be false. But even if they turn out to be true, it doesn't mean that gossip hasn't happened because sharing true information can still be gossip. So there's other things we have to consider in sinful sharing. Sinful sharing might be sharing something about someone else that might be shameful. For example, in in the examples we already used, Someone that might be getting kicked out of school or someone being investigated for a crime can be shameful kinds of things. We might also think of sharing information like this. I don't know if you heard, but so-and-so lost his job again. Or I don't know if you heard, but so-and-so is having to file for bankruptcy. It could be something as simple as, did you hear what so-and-so wore to the party over the weekend? (laughs) Let me tell you about it. Or it might be something more serious like, I don't know if you heard, but so-and-so's son moved out of the house in anger and his parents don't know where he is and they haven't been able to find him in weeks. Now the point of this is not that people should necessarily feel shamed about these things. The point is that most people experiencing these kinds of difficult situations would not want them widely publicized because not everything needs to be widely publicized. One of the characteristics that Paul says about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is that love always protects That doesn't mean that love protects people from the truth. It doesn't mean that love protects people from any hard things, but it does mean that love protects people from unnecessary and ruthless scrutiny. 
It protects people from that. And it doesn't just share information about someone else that might be shameful. And this is closely related to sharing something about someone else that's sinful. And the examples I just used, none of those are necessarily sinful kinds of situations. But imagine something like this. Did you hear that so-and-so got caught cheating on his wife? And his wife and his kids have left him. And they've moved out of state. That's a sinful kind of thing. But sharing that kind of stuff is what is meant by the phrase airing someone else's dirty laundry. Have you heard that phrase before? Airing someone else's dirty laundry. That's not yours to put out there. And of course, that's closely related to sharing something about someone else that should be kept private. There are things that should be kept private, again, to protect people from unnecessary and ruthless scrutiny and chatter. So if you have to start sentences like, hey, don't promise you won't tell anybody this, but so-and-so. Or if you have to start a sentence with, I probably shouldn't be telling you this, but you probably shouldn't be sharing that information, if that's how you have to start sentences. But there's something implicit in each of these examples that I've referred to that is crucial for the recognition of gossip. And that is the person being talked about is not there. And so we have to reflect this in our descriptions. We have to add something more. Gossip is the sinful sharing of information about others behind their back when they're not present. And this is really the quality that's captured with the translation of whisperer. You whisper it because the people being talked about can't hear it. And sometimes you protect people who are being talked about from hearing it because they're not around. And so you spread this information behind people's backs. We should probably at this point also be clear that just because you're talking to, about someone behind their back to your spouse or to other people in your family does not mean that it's not gossip. In fact, I would guess that much of the gossip, gossip we listen to and that we spread is done with family members and spouses and people that we, that we live around. That doesn't mean it's not gossip just because you're sharing it with someone that you know well. Still, sharing information about others who aren't present is not always gossip. That's not always gossip to share information about other people when they're not present. Sharing information about other people to the police giving a report about what happened when other people aren't there is not, strictly speaking, gossip. Privately warning a friend about the behavior of someone else that might prove to be troublesome or might lead to concern or might pose a threat is not gossip. Privately warning someone about someone else is not, strictly speaking, gossip. Teachers talking to parents about a child's academic progress when the child is not there is not gossip. Church leaders who are discussing how best to handle a sensitive shepherding situation involving an individual or a family is not gossip. In fact, sharing shameful, sinful, deeply personal, private information about someone else when that person is not there in the context of a counseling session with a pastor or a therapist in order to process emotions and in order to work toward healing is not gossip. And sharing a prayer request on someone else's behalf when that other person isn't there is not necessarily gossip. But we know that it can be kind of a form of gossip. But it's not, by definition, gossip to share with someone else a need that someone else has for prayer when that person is not there. In fact, in all of the examples I've used up to this point, it is possible to imagine in each of those scenarios that that information is being shared with a genuine aim to help the people involved. 
But that is not the aim of gossip. And that is really, really important. The aim of gossip is not to help. It's not to protect. And so we have to add one last detail to the recognition of gossip. Gossip is a sinful sharing of information about others behind their back in an unloving spirit. That doesn't always mean a malicious spirit. It certainly can mean that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. It just means that the information is shared without the aim of love, without the aim to protect, without the aim to actually help. It's devoid of that. It's just the spreading of information, using people's difficult circumstances in life to either exploit them or to discuss them, discuss about what's going on with them, but it's not done in a spirit of love. In fact, most of the time, our gossip is not done in a manner to build others up, but rather to tear down and trouble. We actually see this in children of very young ages, when children tattle on other children. Now, I've come to conclude that most tattling is not done with the aim of protecting and helping the people that are being tattled on. The purpose is to get the other child in trouble. And our gossip is often to trouble other people, even if it's very, very subtle. Even if it's not openly malicious, it's very subtle. Because we can slant or spin the stories that we tell in order to steer the reactions and responses of those who are listening so that they'll think differently about the object or objects of our gossip. Specifically, they'll think lower thoughts. They'll think more negatively. They'll think less respectfully and in a less esteemed manner about those people's character, integrity, dignity, or status. And that can be very, very subtle. But why would we do that? Why would we do that? Well, let's think secondly of the reasons for gossip. Why do we do it? Well, according to the proverb that we've read, there's something about gossip that is tasty to our souls. There's something that we like about gossip. The words of gossip are like delicious morsels, grade A, prime cut, rare tidbits of information that we find irresistibly juicy and succulent, and they go down into the inner parts of the body, into our souls. And it might be easy to abstain from gossip when it's out of eyesight and out of earshot, but it can be extremely difficult to resist gossip when it's right in front of us. It's like that bag of barbecue potato chips. Or maybe it's Cool Ranch Doritos or Fritos for you that once they're open, you can hardly stop eating them. Or for some of you, it might be like that bowl of M&Ms. And it might be peanut M&Ms for you. That if they're out of sight, it's not a problem. But you cannot walk past that bowl without grabbing one or 30 when you go past or those gummy bears that are so small they can't possibly be harmful, but we find them irresistible. They're so sweet. That's what gossip is. It's irresistible to us. There's something that resonates about gossip with us. And so we gossip because deep down on some level, we like it. But why? What do we find so savory and appealing and rewarding about gossip? Well, there can be a number of things that are motivating us to gossip. One could simply be envy or animosity. This is when our gossip tends to be quite openly malicious. 
that we're envious or we have animosity toward another. And so we use gossip to tear other people down. But there are less malicious forms, and we recognize that. For example, sometimes people are motivated to gossip because of boredom. Seemingly, there's not enough drama in our own lives, and so we live vicariously through the drama of other people's lives. And if there's not enough drama in those lives, we just embellish the stories to make it even more dramatic. And we use them and we exploit them so that our lives seem maybe more interesting or, in a more sinister way, we pity them and we think about how much better our lives are because of that. That we're bored and so we point out all the trouble and difficulty in other people's lives and we feel smug that we're not dealing with those same kinds of problems or issues. There's another thing that might be a reason for our gossip and that is ego. There's just something about gossip that feeds our egos because listen, if you know information about other people, especially information that is private and very personal about other people that a lot of other people don't know, it can easily make you feel important. It can make you feel like an insider rather than an outsider. And we love to feel like insiders. And knowing information that other people don't know makes us feel like insiders. I imagine that psychologically it's very similar to the reason people name drop. Anybody know what name dropping is? It's when you just reference somebody who's important so someone else knows that you know them. Name dropping in the context of new life might sound something like this. Just casually mention, yeah, when I was having lunch with Pastor Bob a couple weeks ago. Really? You get to go to lunch with Pastor Bob? Yep. And what you should conclude from this, what you should conclude from this is that I'm important and I'm influential. That's why I'm having lunch with Pastor Bob. And then you go on and say, yeah, when I was having lunch with Pastor Bob, he told me, really? Because I was just talking with him two weeks ago about that. He didn't say anything about that to me. And the inference you should draw from this is, once again, I'm important and I'm influential. That's why I know this information. It's, it's almost like this obsession that journalists seem to have. That to be first on the scene with breaking news that no one else knows yet, and we get to be the ones to report it. It's one of the things we find so deliciously satisfying about gossip. And this is true too. Your ego will want to parade what you know. It will want to parade what you know. And so you'll be able to select some that you'll share this information with, which also gives us a sense of power. Because now we're in control of who else can be brought into the inside and who is left outside. We have the power to include or exclude, but we will select some to share that information with because we want other people to know that we know. And we want other people to know that we knew before they knew. There's something that feeds our ego in that. Listen, I have a role and a position here at New Life that requires me to know information, personal and private information about people that a lot of other people don't know. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I read Proverbs 18a, I know what it's talking about. I get it. This kind of delicious morsel quality that makes us feel important and inflates our ego. And I trust you know this feeling as well, that you know what Proverbs 18a is talking about. I know what it's like for somebody to come up to me and say, hey, I don't know if you know, but you know what so-and-so has been going through? And for me to say, yeah, I've known about it for months. It can feed a sense of self-importance. 
Now, having said that, I also want to be very clear that I and Pastor Bob and our elders and our deacons also have a role and a position here at the church that calls for a high degree of maintaining confidentiality. If we want people to trust us with private and personal information in order for us to help them and shepherd them and care for them, and we take that confidentiality very seriously. In fact, if we were not people you could trust to not gossip when you share information with us, you would actually know that very quickly because gossip spreads swiftly and you would eventually trace it back to the only people that you told about it. And so we take confidentiality seriously, but we know what Proverbs 18.8 is talking about with gossip and there is a sense in which it can feed our egos. But there's another reason to mention as well, control. There are times where we gossip to control. And this is especially true when we or our friends or our foes are involved in the situation being talked about. We want to shape what people think. And so we try to arrive to the, we try to get to the people first so that we can recount past events and we can condense previous dialogue in a way that controls the narrative so that people will take our side and our view of what has transpired. They'll think more highly of me and worse of others because my version will inevitably, be, inevitably portray me as the good guy. And my gossip will portray my perceived opponent in an unfavorable and often exaggeratedly negative light. That's what our gossip will do. And so gossip can be used as a tool of power to smear other people while at the same time applying cosmetics to our own faults and insecurities. And while we're doing this, we will do everything in our power to make ourselves appear superior and others appear inferior. And we will make much of God's grace and mercy and understanding of us and very little of God's grace and mercy and understanding of others. And we'll make much of the speck in other people's eyes and very little of the log in our own eyes while we're doing this. And if that sounds like there's something wicked in that, you're right. The Bible agrees with you. There is something wicked in that, which is why it deals seriously with the sin of gossip. But ultimately, the Bible roots gossip in the sinfulness of our hearts. The reason that we participate in gossip, the reason that we listen to gossip, the reason that we spread gossip is because there's something going on at the level of our hearts. It's a heart issue. Jesus connects this actually to in Matthew chapter 12 verses 33 through 36 he touches upon this when he says how can you speak good when you are evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil I tell you on the day of judgment people will give account for every careless word they speak and that includes our words of gossip. Now in light of that rather sobering warning that Jesus gives, what should we do? How can we engage in the resistance to gossip? What can we do about it? Well, perhaps the first and most important step in the resistance to gossip is to recognize gossip as a serious sin. A serious sin that offends God it damages others and it injures our own souls. Gossip is a fundamental violation of the most basic commandments to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbors as we would love ourselves. And so if you're engaged in gossip, 
If your life reflects a pattern of gossip and talking about others when you should not be talking about them, you need to confess that. You need to confess that to the Lord as a serious sin that offends him and has hurt others and damages yourself and you have to repent of that, which means make efforts to stop it. And what that might entail is confessing that to other people and inviting them into this battle of your gossip so that they can support you, encourage you, and hold you accountable, pray for you. We would also be wise to avoid gossiping environments and gossiping people as much as possible. The NIV translation of Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19 reads this way, a gossip betrays confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. To avoid gossiping environments and gossiping people. Now, that's not always possible, is it? To completely avoid gossiping environments or gossiping people. And so then we have to remember, when we're hearing information about other people who aren't there, don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear in context where other people are being talked about when they're not there to tell you exactly what happened or bring a different perspective. There are always multiple sides to a story. And not only should you refrain from passing that information along that you're hearing, but you should also commit to believe the best about others and talk about them in the best way possible. Believe the best about others. Render charitable judgments about other people, regardless of what you're hearing. Now, this doesn't mean that you always have to conclude good things about other people. And it certainly doesn't mean that you can never believe that others have acted sinfully. That does happen. Because so you don't ignore those facts. But even in light of the facts, believe the best way you can that's possible in light of those facts. Rendering charitable judgments, just as you would want somebody to rend a charitable judgment about you when they might know some of the details, but not all of the details. Situations are often more complex than we realize looking at them from the outside. A fourth principle in the resistance to gossip is to talk more to people than about people. Now we've already said it's not always wrong or sinful to talk about people, but if most of our talking is about people and not to people, generally it's going to indicate a problem. And if you must talk about people, make sure you're talking about people to the Lord. Pray for them. Aim to help them through prayer. If you have to talk about people, make sure you're talking about them to the Lord. But aim to talk more to people than about them. And in his book, Resisting Gossip, Matthew Mitchell suggests that we ask ourselves some very helpful questions as it relates to gossip. Specifically, he mentions these, these four. Would I say this with the other person present? Would I receive this news in the same way with the other person present? Am I hiding this conversation from someone? And would I want someone else to talk about me this way without me present? Now, if we're responding to these questions in such a way that reflects a genuine love for God and a love for our neighbors as we love ourselves, it would go a real long way in our resistance to gossip, for and, and asking and answering these questions honestly. But there's one more thing we have to consider, because our call as followers of Jesus is not just to avoid tearing people down. We're to build people up. And so we have to replace gossip with edifying and gracious speech to and about others. 
The Apostle Paul actually supplies us with really clear and concise guidelines about speech that builds up in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, when he writes, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Very clear instructions about replacing our gossip with edifying and gracious speech. But if we're honest, our resistance to gossip is spotty at best. We're all guilty of engaging in gossip, listening to gossip, spreading gossip, and we're all guilty because there's something in our hearts that draws us to gossip. We should be honest about that. But there is good news, and that's that Jesus died for all of the sins of his people. That includes the sin of gossip. Just died to put those sins away. But it's even more than that. There's more to the good news than that, and it's this. If you're here this morning and you're trusting Jesus as your Savior, did you know that Jesus talks about you? Jesus talks about you. Jesus might be talking about you right now. Now, of course, that might be a little unsettling because Jesus knows all of your dirty laundry. You can't hide any of it from him. It's all open before his gaze. He knows all of your dirty laundry, but Jesus doesn't air your dirty laundry to your shame and to your condemnation. He doesn't turn away from you in disgust, and he doesn't use that stuff to tear you down. Satan will try to do that, but Jesus doesn't do that. He covers your shame, and he cleanses you of your sins through the blood that he shed on the cross, and he speaks on your behalf, in your defense, before the throne of God as your advocate. He speaks about you as your advocate. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And notice that is for anyone who sins. So if you're here this morning and you want somebody to speak on your behalf before the throne of God, if you want someone to plead in your favor, if you want someone to speak in your defense, if you want someone to plead for your entrance into heavenly glory despite all of your sins, if you want that, look to Jesus. Trust in him for salvation. Give your heart and surrender your life to him and know that he advocates and pleads for you before the Father. And you can also know that his advocacy and his pleading will not fail because what Jesus pleads for you with before the Father is his own wounds. He pleads his own wounds for you. The nail marks in his hands and on his feet from when he gave up his body to be crucified, he pleads his blood that was poured out for you on the cross to forgive you for all of your sins. And because he does that, we're enabled And we're empowered by him and by his spirit to speak the truth in love to and about others. And we are empowered and we are enabled to overcome the sin of gossip. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we confess to you this morning that we have used our mouths to gossip and we have used our ears to listen to gossip. So we confess that and we pray that you would renew our hearts, cleanse our hearts, from that tendency, make them pure. But we thank you also that you forgive us for all of our sins through the blood of Jesus, including our sin of gossip. And we thank you that even though we gossip and our words often tear down, your words do not tear us down. 
but you speak as our advocate, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for that. We trust in your wounds and in your advocacy to bring us safely into glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.